Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. You are listening to a Hive Talk Live stinger. Buzz Buzz. Joining us here on the Hive Talk Live hotline is Josh Lloyd from Red Rock Fantasy Basketball. That's redrockbasketball.com. Josh, uh, welcome in, first of all, and tell us a little bit about yourself and what Red Rock Fantasy Basketball is all about. Well, first of all, thank you, thank you for having me on, and it's uh, it's very good to be uh, on here talking uh, talking basketball, talking NBA. The season's not too far away, so I'm uh, I'm always excited to do that. Now, as you can probably tell by my voice, I am uh, I'm an Australian who is a massive fan of the NBA. Started uh, my website a couple of seasons ago, uh, RedRockBasketball.com. Now I don't do a huge amount of writing on that site. I'm I'm providing a lot of the content for Basketball Monster. I do some work at Hardwood Paroxysm. Uh, as well, uh, over on Rotowire as well. But most of my work is concentrated in the the Red Rock Fantasy Basketball podcast, which is a podcast I put out daily throughout the regular season, recapping the previous day's action, uh, previewing the next day's uh, games to come, and just looking at where you can sort of get some advantages for your fantasy basketball league. Yes, I, I like the site. I love the podcast because you guys obviously delve into fantasy basketball, but there's uh, there's sort of a, a real-life basketball analysis as well. And I listened to the preview that you did for the Charlotte Hornets with uh, At the Hive's own Brian Mears. Great stuff there. So we'll start, uh, before we talk about the Hornets and their fantasy impact, we're starting a a few leagues, actually, uh, with Hive Talk Live, one of them being a a Roto League. So we'll start there, this this Roto League for like a a season-long league. What kind of things should you be looking for when you when you draft a team for a roto league? It's not going to be a dynasty league or anything like that. It's going to be year to year. Uh, but what kind of guys are you looking for in a roto league as opposed to maybe a head to head league? The major difference between between the two leagues is in a roto league, I don't want to be bad in any categories. I want to make sure that I'm that I'm really solid. I don't have to be the best in every category because you can't be the best in every category. But what I want to avoid are players who really hurt you in specific categories. So guys like DeAndre Jordan, Andre Drummond, Dwight Howard, Julia Okafor most likely, Mason Plumlee, those sort of guys, you draft those guys, it's almost impossible to recover in the free throw percentage category. So you, you can't draft those guys and be competitive. In a roto league, you normally need to finish top three, top probably top three average in each category to be the winner of that league. And if you're drafting one of those guys, you're going to be bottom two, bottom three in that category, meaning you basically have to finish first or second in every other category, and that's a real stretch. So they're the sort of guys I want to avoid. A player like Kemba Walker, he might be a player I try to avoid as well because his his volume of field goal attempts and his field goal percentage is, is so or the, the volume is high, the percentage is low, that you that makes when you're drafting a team, you have to draft all the rest of the players to compensate for his bad field goal percentage and you can neglect other areas. So what I'm looking for are players who their negatives aren't horrible, but they've got you know nice spread out value. Nick Batum is a great, great example. We're talking Charlotte here. He's come across this season. I think he he's a much better roto player than a head-to-head guy. Guys like Rudy Gay, Jimmy Butler, Gordon Hayward, all these sort of players who provide above average contributions in most categories. And even in a category where they're not that great, they're not, 
they're not horrible in that category. And they're the sort of players that you, that you want that you want to add to the the real superstars on your team. And they get like a, a, a round or two extra bump in a, in a rotisserie format league. That's interesting. So guys who have that one category that is a crutch, uh, they have to be basically downgraded when you're talking about uh, draft stock for fantasy, which is interesting because I think – you always hear this idea in in uh, in the NBA that if you can do one thing great, you'll stick around for a while. And it sounds like in fantasy basketball, if you can just manage to do everything pretty well, then you're you're a high fantasy you know impact guy. Well, that, that, that's more the case for a roto league. For a head to head league, a guy like Kemba Walker is you know fifty spots better. He's, he's because he can do. You know, he can get you good scoring numbers. He doesn't turn the ball over. You'll get a high free throw percentage. It's just that that one category that, that he hurts you in, you can sort of disregard that in a head-to-head league. In a roto league, you need to be solid pretty much across the board or at least not horrible in, in one category. As soon as someone becomes you know, downright terrible in a category, then they get discounted significantly in a rotisserie league. In a head-to-head league, you're more about that sort of that NBA uh, idea where if a guy can really provide you, you know, elite level in some, in some categories, then he becomes valuable in that rather than that sort of solid contribution across the board. Okay. So apart from the, the obvious candidates, the LeBron James, Kevin Durant, those type of guys who are, who are the players that will provide good value and maybe some of the later rounds, your fourth, fifth, sixth rounds in a rotisserie league. Guys that I mentioned before, um, Jimmy Butler gets – he's probably going to go early anyway, but I think he's a much better player in a rotisserie league than a head-to-head league. But Nick Batum's probably the, the major, major player. We know how much of a down season he had last season. But what he's able to do, providing those sort of solid points, nice threes, good rebounds, huge assists for a small forward. He gets steals. He gets blocks. The percentages are, are generally okay. I'm sort of discounting his bad field goal percentage season from last season. He could be a 45 44% field goal percent, percentage guy, and that's that's really solid value. In in all those categories, Gordon Haywood's the same sort of player. Rudy Gay, a similar sort of guy in Sacramento. These are all guys that you can get maybe 20 spots lower than what their actual value is. Tariq Evans is a nice player. He provides value across many different areas, especially with the Drew Holiday news. He's going to get get a bump. What you, I think in a Rota League, what you more want to do is just avoid the guys who are really going to going to hurt you. But there are, there are plenty of players who do gain value in that format. Um Chandler Parsons is another guy in that area. Tobias Harris gains a little bit of value there uh, in that sort of format. Um, and it's the big men who don't hurt you in in free throw percentage, and that's they're generally the the biggest the biggest negative contributors is those guys who really hurt your free throw percentage. So big men like Brook Lopez who don't who shoot a really good free throw percentage becomes super valuable in a format like that where you've got to keep your free throw percentage for your entire team at around a 78% level. And if you've got just numerous guys at high volume t- shooting 73, 74%, it's really hard to get to that competitive 78% level. Going back to Nick Batum, I think he's an interesting case because Steve Clifford has made apparent that he's going to make Nick Batum a larger part of this offense and probably a larger part uh, than than he's ever played in an offense before. Uh, certainly in Portland, where he was a third, fourth option, looks like he's going to be a first or second option on offense. And, you know, if you're not paying attention to the Charlotte Hornets universe and you don't know these things, then you, you know, you might not draft Nick Batum as high as someone that, that did know that information. How much attention uh, should people pay to these narratives that are coming out around 
training camp and preseason in terms of how much guys are going to play or what role they're going to have on a team? I think you have to take some notice of it. You can't buy into every single thing that comes out. Because if you buy into everything that you hear, you're going to have every player you know, valued as the best player of all time. This guy's had the best preseason he's ever had. He's you know, put on 10 pounds of muscle. He's lost 10 pounds of fat, all that sort of stuff. And, and it's not true for everybody. Not everybody can be working on a three. We've heard DeMarcus Cousins is working on three-pointers. Now, DeMarcus Cousins <laughs> is going to go out there. He's not going to be Ryan Anderson. He's not going to start bombing six threes a game. He might hit five for the season, and in the end, yeah, what does that matter? It, it doesn't mean anything. But you hear all this stuff come out. You've got to sort of be able to sift through it. But when that comment came out with Clifford and Batum, I really took notice of that. And we saw it in the first preseason game that he was a he was a feature of this team, and he has got the ability. I've been a big Nick Batum fan. His last season, people were they're very quick to write him off, and I think that that's that's foolish to do that. And it, when that comment like that comes out, and the comment that came out from from the Raptors with with Dwayne Casey mentioning about what they're doing with Jonas Valanciunas, and that he's going to play him in fourth quarters this season because there was nothing more frustrating as a fantasy guy to see Jonas Valanciunas sit every fourth quarter of every game and, and play only 26 minutes a night when he was clearly their best big man. But when he comes out and they make a repeated point of saying that Valanciunas is going to play the last quarter of games, he's going to be a guy that might push to 30, 32 minutes, then. Yeah, you know, you you're getting a real fantasy relevant guy because he was a top sixty sort of player last year in only twenty six minutes a game. We could be seeing the birth of a top forty sort of player. So you have to take it with a with a bit of a grain of salt, but there's a lot of valuable information that comes out in these next couple of weeks. All right, Josh, we've been talking for a few minutes here, so so I feel like I can um I feel like we're friends already. Yep. I, I make friends very easily. Um so <laughs> I want to make an admission to you. I'm kind of a, a fantasy basketball newbie. Uh, I played on and off for a few years, but I haven't taken it very seriously before. I plan to this season because we're starting these leagues for Hive Talk Live. So I want to know, how important is it to pay attention to your lineups day-to-day? Because it's not like football, although football is becoming almost daily with Thursday night football and such. But how important is it to pay attention to your lineups daily to make those adjustments? Or is it possible to check in once or twice a week make adjustments, maybe that's beneficial. I don't know. Okay, look, you're probably, I'm not you're asking the wrong guy because I'm so invested in doing that I am checking <laughs> it all the time. But there is there is a couple of ways you can do it. Like okay. you can you can set a league up where it becomes like football and at the start of the week you set your, your 10 active guys and it doesn't change all week. You can do that. I'm not a fan of that because a couple of injuries happen. You've got no way to rebound rebound during the week and you've lost. But what you can also do, and this is the way that I like to do it because I'm managing probably at the moment 12 different fantasy teams. Woo. In, in addition to that, you know, I'm obviously working, recording podcasts, recording videos, writing articles. So I don't have a huge amount of time to manage all these teams. But what I do at the start of the week is I go through and I set the daily lineups for each league for each day of the week. So I go through the seven days, who's going to be playing that day, put them into an active spot, uh, and do that for the whole week. And then all, all I'll do is during the week, just check in. Did someone get injured? Do I need to move someone out? And it doesn't require that much management during the week. I'll set aside 20 minutes on a on a Sunday to set it up for the, the week ahead. You know, Obviously, I'm keeping an eye on what's happening in terms of do I need to add a player? Do I need to drop a player? Is someone injured? Who's the the, the hot pickup at the moment? But in terms of the, of the lineups, I set them a week in advance and then just make little tweaks throughout the week if necessary, check in on each team for, for two minutes a day maybe. Sometimes I don't even have to make any moves because I've set it all up in advance. And it does become quite easy to manage in that sort of sense. Talking to Josh Lloyd from Red Rock Basketball. 
com. Let me ask you this. So because we're talking about setting lineups, do we set them daily, weekly? What's the best strategy? Because in a roto league, you know, it seems like you have to balance field goal percentages and free throw percentages versus, you know, points, steals, rebounds, you know, your th- those type of categories. So is there some kind of strategy with n- with not playing as many guys as you could possibly just to help your field goal percentages versus, you know, your volume stats? Or is that not a thing? No, no, it becomes part of it. But in in a roto league, in a standard league, you have 10 spots. So you have 10 active spots, but each of those spots has a games played limit. So in general, it'll be for the point guard spot on your team. It's 82 games. And you could put Chris Paul in there and you could, if Chris Paul plays 82 games, you get 82 games from him but he might play 72 and then you move someone else in there for the other 10, but there's a set limit. So you can't just be going moving players into each spot each day because by about January, we'll have maxed out all of your spots and that's not a wise way to go about it. Generally in a, in a roto league with those sort of limits, what I'm looking to do is put my best 10 guys in, let them play out. There'll be days when they don't play and there'll be guys on your bench that do play, but I'm not subbing them in at that point. But after a couple of months, after you've seen how your team sort of is shaping up, how the other people in your team are shaping up, or other people in your league are shaping up, you look at the standings. Where do you, where do you sit? Have you got a comfortable lead in a category? Then can you afford to to bench the player who gives you that big contribution? Are you lacking in your percentages? Do you need to sit someone who's really hurting your field goal percentage? Do they need to do they need to sit out of the lineup for a month and you put someone else in there who's going to boost that field goal percentage up? And then you've also got to weigh that. Okay, so if that guy that I'm taking out who's hurting my field goal percentage, if I take him out how many of his assists am I losing? Mm. Is that going to cause me to come down in the standings? But those sort of moves, they're not something that you need to necessarily tinker with from day one. You want to sort of let those, you don't want to begin giving yourself too many games early on. You want to go at a pretty steady pace and then start to make the moves, move a few guys in and out, obviously with injuries, you move an injured guy out of the line, I put someone else into his spot. So you actually make sure you're hitting that 82 game mark throughout the season but I don't think you need to be making too many moves early on in terms of, I need to sit this guy because my field goal percentage is getting hurt. Because if you're, if you're shuttling guys in every single day, you're going to be, your, your season's going to be done by January. You're going to have massive leads in a lot of areas, but you're going to have no ability to to change your team depending on who's coming up behind you. So in this Roto League, we've talked about Nick Batum might be a guy that you can get for some kind of value and and, and he'll he could shine in the, in a roto type setting, whereas a guy like Kimba Walker may not. Let's talk about Al Jefferson uh, for the Hornets. Where do you see his value being in a roto league? It's I think he's I think he's comfortably a top fifty guy. I say comfortably. I've got him ranked at forty eight, so that's not that comfortably, but it is still inside the top fifty. We know that he was a top twenty player before last season. He had a lot of problems, as you're well aware of, last year with the knee um, and just with his overall game. It looked like maybe he was starting to come to the downside of his career. But I think that it, at around pick fifty, that's pretty good value for a, a guy that twelve months ago we were talking about as a, a top twenty fantasy player who was a, a legit twenty and ten sort of guy, solid percentages, nice block numbers. There is obviously a bit of risk that maybe the last season's L. Jefferson is the L. Jefferson we're going to get from now on. But there's also equal chance that he goes back to being more of that sort of forceful guy who doesn't have the injury problems with his knee, and he's able to go more at, at full steam ahead. So I think that he can provide significant value around that sort of fourth to fifth round area. Interesting. So if you're willing to take the risk, if you think that the weight loss will keep him on the floor, because, you know, look, he had issues staying on the floor last season, but he was still a 20-10 and 10 guy. So if you're if you're willing to take that risk, could be good value there. 
and, and a lot of you see his numbers are, are deflated from what they were the season before. But the last month or so of the season, he was playing. Well, he wasn't playing. But even when he was playing, he was playing really low minutes, and that was dragging his averages down. It might not be by much, but it might have been. He might have dragged his averages down by a point and a half. He might have dragged his rebounds down by a rebound a game. And when you look at the overall season, you go, well, that's maybe not that impressive. But in those limited minutes towards the end, it did it did impact it. Interesting. Let's uh, one more guy I want to pick your brain about is Jeremy Lin. What was his fantasy impact in the previous few years, his stops in Houston and LA, and how do you what, what do you see his fantasy value being for this upcoming season? Now I don't know how how much of my podcast you've been listening to, but it sounds like you're baiting me into going on a rant about Byron Scott and his use of uh, his use of <laughs> Ronnie Price last season because I, I mentioned it on pretty much every show last season, every season preview. I think I've mentioned it this year is that the use the, the way that, that Scott used Ronnie Price over Jeremy Lin last season was absolutely criminal. Lin was putting up he was and from not even from a, just a fantasy point of view, just from an actual watchability and this guy knows how to play basketball point of view. Ronnie Price should, shouldn't be playing in the NBA, let alone starting over Jeremy Lin. Lynn, when he played, he put up great numbers. In Houston, even as a backup in Houston behind Patrick Beverly, he was a guy who should be rostered in, in all standard leagues. He was clearly a top 100 player. He would have been a top 100 player last season if he actually was given enough minutes. When he gets the minutes, he puts up he puts up enough value that you have to own him in fantasy leagues. He's going to score. He's going to get you nice assist numbers. The steals will be there, some okay threes. His field goal percentage can be a bit of a worry, but he's he's got enough enough ability and enough enough fantasy sort of talent to to really give you value if he's getting a big enough role. Now, we don't know exactly if he's going to get that role, but he only needs 27 to 28 minutes to actually to actually be a fantasy-relevant player. Okay, that's good. That's a good minutes mark there to keep an eye on because it seems like Jeremy Lin could fall into this six-man role, and then Kimba has had injury issues in the past. So Jeremy Lin could find himself at any point in the season getting starting rotation minutes. So I think I think you're right there. Jeremy Lin, an interesting prospect in fantasy for the Charlotte Hornets. I also want to talk about daily fantasy sports leagues in terms of basketball. Uh, you know, we see the commercials all the time uh, during football for, you know, your fan duels, your draft kings. What are the daily fantasy basketball strategies that are out there? I mean, what are some things that, that guys need to look for that they may not look for in standard roto or standard head-to-head leagues? A lot of it is is transferable. But the main thing you want to look for is minutes, and it's about getting value for minutes. So when someone is out and their backup is taking their place, they're going to be priced at a really low salary, and, and it's all about minutes. If someone who's at minimum salary and then gets 30 minutes a night, you're going to have to have them into your lineup that day because they're going to return way more than minimum salary. Their you know, DraftKings and FanDuel, they don't adjust their prices straight away. It takes a couple of days for them to, if, if a player is doing it regularly for a couple of days, then they'll bump their salary. But we saw last year a guy like Austin Rivers, who when he was getting starts, he was a must play in daily fantasy, even though he's not a good player and he's, he's probably not a great player when when they adjust his salary. But if he's coming in at minimum salary, $3,500, and he's playing 30 minutes, and he's scoring 16 points, and he's getting five assists, it's it's a must-play it's a must play situation. We could see a situation here with Charlotte. Opening night, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist might not be available. You know, we might see Jeremy Lamb in the starting lineup. We might see PJ Hairston starting. And they're going to be at pretty low salaries. And if you can 
think to yourself, right, if Clifford comes out and says, we're going to run Lamb and he's going to play 28 minutes, then he's going to be a great option. So that's what you need to do. You need to get these high upside, low cost guys with your consistent high producers, Russell Westbrooks, Kevin Durant, all those sort of players. And it's about getting value for salary. And a general rule that I, that I like to look at is you want to be able to get, in say on, on Fangio, you have $60,000 to to spend and you've got to get if you want to if you want to collect in head-to-head games and 50 50 games you want 300 points so okay 300 points sixty thousand. it's it's basically you want and i'm trying to work out the math in my head here because i've just i've just lost a bit you it's gotta listen you have to carry five. the two that's the key <laughs> if i had a pen in front of me i'd be doing it it's <laughs> it's it's basically you want five five points per thousand dollar salary Interesting. That's a, so that's, five, that's a math. That's pretty easy. Five, five, and obviously they have their own scoring system where points and rebounds and steals are worth whatever, but five fantasy points per $1,000. The lower salary guys, you probably look to six or seven. The higher salary guys, four, four and a half. Overall, you want your team to be giving you five fantasy points per $1,000 of salary. Wow. So there's some interesting sort of metrics that go on when you're – are there any kind of indexes that that show what a player's points per, per dollar amount? That'd be interesting. You can uh, over on basketballmonster.com. You can find out all that information based on players' past salaries, wow. uh, projections for the next day, their what their salary is going to be, what their projected points are going to be, where we take into account things like you know the minutes they're going to play, the opposition they're playing against, the pace the game will be played out all that sort of stuff. We project the stats that they'll play and their salary and then you know, give it a ratio and do they fit into a positive player? Are they a negative player? And you can build your lineup that way. And I'm sure you can learn all of this information by listening to the Red Rock Fantasy Basketball Podcast as well. Absolutely. We have the the back half of each show is uh, is dedicated to daily fantasy where we preview the next day's games, highlight the, the value plays, highlight guys to stay away from, talk about injuries and try and keep you generally up to date with uh, some hopefully some good decisions and you know, heaps of listeners that want a, a fair bit of money over it. And basketball's a good, a good game for daily fantasy because things are generally fairly, fairly easily rep- replicable. Um, we don't see as much variation as you do in football. Like, you know, that LeBron's not going to have 30 points one night and six points the next night. You know, that he's going to go out there and be 25, seven, five. Some nights will be 35, 10 and 12. Some nights will be 20, 10 and eight, but overall he's, in that same ballpark. He's not going to be like a guy who goes out and has three touchdowns one week and then has none the next week when that's such a massive gap. These numbers are, are very re- replicable. They, they're the same in general each day, and you can use that to your advantage as long as you're aware of these guys who come in then at the low salary and they get that temporary slight bump if you're using them to your advantage. Are there guys that may on the Hornets that may play better in a in a daily league as opposed to a roto or a head-to-head? Well, in again, it depends on where you're playing. But say FanDuel doesn't take into consideration uh, missed shots. So a guy like Kemba Walker, who might throw up a lot of missed shots mm-hmm. and with his bad field goal percentage, he's not going to get penalized. So he's a guy who, who's really useful in that format. And because of his low turnovers as well, which is something they do penalize in, in FanDuel leagues, then he becomes valuable, more valuable than some other point guards who might be you know, priced at that similar amount because he's more likely to go out there and you have one or two turnovers where someone, even say compared like a Russell Westbrook who goes out and has six or seven turnovers and they're, they're all negative points. Uh, but it all depends on where the salary is priced at. You can't say that this guy is going to be a great daily fantasy option because... 
if he's a great daily fantasy option for the first week, then FanDuel adjusts and they go, well, you know what? He's been a great option. We're going to bump his salary up 2000 and now he's not a great option anymore. And they're constantly reviewing their salaries. Um, they're not doing it. They're not doing it to, to make sure that you know, no one wins because people always win. People win every one of these tournaments. They're just doing it to make things fairer. And you've got to, you've got to flow with it. You've got to adjust. You just can't ride one guy the whole way because it just won't happen. They'll just move your salary up and up and you'll become unusable. Interesting stuff, Josh. Uh, this was great. I, I took a bunch of notes. Uh, I did a little math. Uh, I, I I don't know how much I liked it, but I, I did it. Um, <laughs> I should and, have told you to get, get your calculator ready before we started. I know. I know. Um, but it was a very interesting talk. And, and like I said, I think there are some more interesting options on this Hornets team, some, some more value than there was last year. And we're already seeing it in preseason that the guys are shooting more three-pointers, the pace is is a lot higher than than at any point last season. So if those trends continue through the preseason and into the first part of the season, uh, this could be an interesting uh, team in terms of fantasy value, maybe more so than they were last year. Uh, Josh, plug the uh, plug the website and the podcast one more time. Okay, well, well, if you want to find the podcast, you can find it in iTunes. You can uh, search Red Rock Fantasy Basketball. You can just type Fantasy Basketball. It's one of the first ones to come up. Go ahead and subscribe. I don't think you'll be disappointed if you listen. Well, I hope you're not. And if you are, let me know and tell me what I can fix. But go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a listen. We've got a couple more podcasts coming out this week. I'm doing a season preview podcast uh, for the Dallas Mavericks and also a a discussion about punting categories in head-to-head leagues as well. And I'm going to have a ton of preseason content coming out there. You can uh, the website is redrockbasketball.com. But I said a lot of my work is at basketballmonster.com. And if you've got any fantasy questions. You can follow me on Twitter. I answer every question that gets sent to me, and that uh, my Twitter handle is redrock underscore b-ball. Well, Josh, you certainly didn't disappoint us. You may have disappointed Ronnie Price, but you, you definitely, you definitely. I hope, I hope Ronnie Price was listening. I, I, <laughs> I hope he was listening because I've been mercilessly going after him for the last twelve months in terms of what is this guy doing, getting minutes in the league. I've yet to hear a response from Ronnie Price, so hopefully he is listening. Well, listen, he's a friend of the show. I'll make sure. He, uh... <laughs> All right, Josh, uh, thank you so much. And we'll uh, and listen. We're, so we're starting this road of the league. We're going to start up. A a daily league, and we'd love for you to be a part of it as well. I know you probably have your hands full, but you're welcome into any league that we start. No problem. That sounds great.